0: On this episode of Water Flying, we are doing a 2022 year-in-review for the Seaplane Pilots Association. You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the waterflying community. Climb aboard, we're about to start today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Waterflying Podcast. On this episode, I am joined by the Seaplane Pilots Association chairman of the board, Stephen Williams.
1: Yeah. Good morning, uh, Steve. Uh, thank you for uh, having me here today as we uh, celebrate uh, the 50th anniversary of uh, the Seaplane Pilots Association.
0: Yes, Stephen Williams is the chairman of the board. He's also uh, our team leader for the uh, uh, Field Director Network for the state of Maine. He is, gives endlessly of his time. Uh, to aviation nonprofits, and he's a great asset to the seaplane community. So uh, I'm just thrilled to death to, number one, have him as chairman, but number two, to have him join us today. So, again, uh, thanks, Stephen. What's the temperature in Maine uh, this uh, December morning?
1: Oh, it's a uh, relatively warm out, 25, uh, 25 degrees, uh, major activity of cleaning up after a, a major Northeaster uh Highest tides uh, in uh, that I've ever seen in my life, uh, living here. If you can imagine a uh, uh, thirteen-foot tide, uh, oh my god! Interesting.
0: Wow, thirteen feet. Uh, if you do not live in a tidal area, uh, thirteen feet is a major event. So uh, um, I'm glad you're still here, <laughs> especially since you live right next to the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. So, All Steve. Right. All right. So, Steve and I wanted to provide you, the listeners, and our members, uh, with a very abbreviated uh, review of some of the significant activities of the Seaplane Pilots Association that we did in 2022. So, um, uh, it's uh, always a good time at the end of the year to close out the year with one of these reviews, and uh, it's great to have a podcast as a vehicle to do that. So, again, uh, Steve, thanks for joining us uh, just after Christmas. Let's start out with January of 2022 uh, was a very significant uh, occasion for the Seaplane Pilots Association because it was our it kicked off our 50th anniversary of promoting and protecting the seaplane community.
1: Yeah, that was that that was uh, excellent. And it's also the, uh, you know, uh, for the uh, Australian Seaplane Pilot Association and also was the year that they were founded.
0: Yes, and uh, they were founded by a guy named uh, Philip Delahunty, uh in 1972. I had the great pleasure of uh, meeting Phil and spending some time with him and have a massive book that he uh, put together uh, with the seaplane community talking about all the uh, seaplane milestones in Australia. And, of course, we were founded by David Quam, who's still with us, and uh, in uh, Little Ferry, New Jersey, in 1972, and uh, uh, he, David Quam, is is still very active within the association and gives us a lot of time and is always watching over our shoulders. So that was a uh, great uh, kickoff in January. It's always a busy time of the year because we're preparing uh, for our annual, uh, road show and, and all the activities that we do in the course of the year. Uh, and, uh, most specifically getting ready for our board meeting at which, uh, you, uh, Steve Williams were elected our newest chairman of the board.
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, I stepped in, uh, in the shoes of, uh, uh, Phil Lockwood, uh, who had, uh, uh turned out and, uh, Really want to thank uh, Phil for his uh, strong leadership uh, during those uh, during that period of time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a a joy working with him. I'm so proud of what we've done as far as building our board, the the representation and the leadership uh, on the Seaplane Pilots Association of the board uh, board is by far, I think, the best that it's ever been. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Phil had uh, reached his term limits. Uh, which is what uh, caused the uh, the uh, change to have to uh, happen. So uh, thank you, Phil Lockwood, uh, for your many years of, of leadership, and he's still very involved with the foundation. So uh, at the board meetings, additionally, uh, the Seaplane Foundation Board approved the production of a new safety video and testing program, And uh, many of the manufacturers uh, and several donors agreed to finance the production. Um, The manufacturers included Whip Air, Aeroset, Edo Kinmore, Lockwood Aviation. Uh, You had Amphibians Plus, uh, as well as uh, several donations from board members and and myself as executive director. So uh, this actually was produced. It was a a very... uh, high-end video that was done. We had spent a year previously kind of talking about the things that were going to be most important and, uh, to address in the aviation, in the seaplane community. And, uh, we were able to produce this, this program. And, and so in February at the board meeting, we made a decision to uh, go ahead and start production. Um, which was a, uh, yeah, I think
1: it, uh, if I hop in, I think it was an, an important piece of work. Uh, like a lot of things in life, uh, the, uh, the approval of it was, uh, 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 went very quickly. Uh, and, but uh, it was very interesting to see it get put together. And, uh, and it, it, it chewed up a lot of, uh, a lot of time. Uh, but I think it was a, a great piece of work.
0: Yeah, agreed. And uh, we're going to talk about it more because we started production in March. And we'll talk about that when we get to March a little bit more. And uh, But it's great to have the, the board come together. And again, especially the manufacturer support and the donor support uh, when we all agreed in February to do that. Uh, also in uh, February, uh, Lance Dietz uh, worked with Amphibians Plus and the Seaplane Pilots Association to conduct a two-day lake amphibian safety seminar. This was the second or third year that we had done it. Uh, it was hosted at Amphibians Plus in Bartow, which means they had to clean out their hangar of all the aircraft that they were working on and uh, which they are always uh, have a huge backlog of business and aircraft to work on. But they cleaned out their hangar. Uh, we set up a sound system. We set up the infrastructure from the Seaplane Pilots Association side. We set up infrastructure to Zoom uh, the uh, uh, safety seminar for people that weren't there. Um, we uh, we presented numerous topics, and uh, the association also provided PFD inflation demos on each one of the attendees that wanted to experience this, um, and I'd like to thank Lance, number one, for organizing uh the event but number two he uh, donated a thousand dollars of the enrollment fee back to the seaplane pilots association so uh, a shout out and thanks to lance Dietz uh for um his help uh and organizing uh the uh safety seminar that we did and That's then and,
1: uh, you know a real thank you out to amphibians plus for making that space available for for those of you that can imagine you know a uh, uh, a repair station, emptying out its hangar, uh, cleaning it out, uh, uh, setting up the chairs, and then then uh, reversing the process and, and getting back to work on, uh, on Monday.
0: So, yeah, major interruption in their business cycle. And uh, uh, we look forward to doing some more of these. Uh, we've been talking about the next one that we're going to do in 2023. So I do expect that you'll see safety seminars uh, at Amphibians Plus in 2023. And just after Sun and Fun, uh, the Lake Flyers Club will be having their annual event here in Florida. And I know they'll spend a day at Harry's or at uh, Amphibians Plus as well, um, doing a safety seminar as part of that. Um, But then in February, we generally have our first event of our trade show season, and that's the Northwest Aviation Trade Show and Conference in Puyallup, Washington. It's an event that the Seaplane Pilots Association has been going to for over 20 years. Um, And uh, so we kicked off by going there. Uh, Slade, one of our newer employees, went with us uh, to support the event. And uh, we also conducted several of these podcasts, uh, both at Kenmore Air Harbor and with some of our field directors uh, while we were in the Seattle area. And I think you've yeah, been I to that.
1: One of the important things to point out here, Steve, as is, is, is the uh, uh, listeners uh, uh, follow us through this, is, is how much road time uh, you and the staff are. Um, you know, a lot of folks just tend to see, it, see you at uh, Sun and Fun or at uh, Oshkosh. But uh, you're, on the, you're on the road, uh, uh, you know, almost all 12 months of the year.
0: Yeah, thank you. And thank you for acknowledging that and I think that is important for the members. I, I literally it it almost seems like you're on this continual rock concert tour uh because you have event essentially one major event almost every month of the year if not more. And uh I've been very proud that we've taken the association more on the road more than it's ever been and you and I I think both appreciate and agree that one of the best ways for us to learn what we need to do and how we can support the community is to be physically in touch with the community. And that's uh, been a hallmark of, of my leadership of the organization is to try to get us out there in front of our members and to participate uh, in the community as much as possible.
1: Right, exactly. And you're, you're not uh, only just standing in a booth, but you're doing uh, uh you're doing pre- the presentations. Uh, you're a part of the lecture series, uh, and we all appreciate that. Oh,
0: no, and, and thank you, because you, you're you doing them as well. Uh, we have the main safety seminar, <laughs> so among others. So in let's get going with March. So in March, uh, we talked about approving the uh, production of the Seaplane uh, Foundation's Amphibious Gear Safety Video. Um, so... We did that, and we, we approved it in February. In March, production began, um, and that was a major effort. I mean, we, we had given ourselves a pretty aggressive timeline to do the production in two to three months. I think our initial thought was about 10 weeks from beginning to end, and uh, we, had, we achieved that. Uh, but uh, it's amazing what goes into a 12-minute video when you're doing air-to-air, uh, water-to-air, uh, land-based filming, and then putting together a testing program, uh, approving all the questions and everything else. So production began in March. Uh, we did all of the filming in March. And then at the same time, we were, uh, training and preparing our new team members, uh, in Carter and Slade, uh, for this Sun and Fun trade show. And, you know, there was really a significant amount of training required as Carter was being groomed uh, to take over our event and coordination planning to free me up to, again, spend more time doing seminars and working with uh, regulators when we go on the road to keep waterways open. So it was identified that one of the best things I could do to free up time to get more advocacy done was to groom and event coordinator to help with the planning and execution of setting up these trade shows. And so uh, Sun and Fun was Carter's first event, and uh, we had to uh, throw him into the hot seat in short order.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I you know, And in a, a number of these cases where Carter uh, uh, ran these, uh, ran these uh, uh, shows, he had never even attended the show before. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, we'll talk, maybe talk a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When we get to July. So, uh, also in March, uh, we had a pretty significant, uh, which it seemed to be a, a small advocacy issue, but it actually, uh, was very nice the way it played out and it required quite a bit of interaction. So, um, our Texas field director, team leader, uh, Michael Arias, who is an amazing field director and, uh, uh, Numerous law enforcement agencies and the FAA all came together to prevent some legal action that was being pursued against a seaplane owner and operator that landed on Lake Woodlands, um, which is a private lake in Texas, and it is closed. But this becomes a little bit difficult since Texas state law protects seaplane access to all state waterways. So it's important to determine whether it's a state-owned waterway or a private waterway. And in this case, it was a private waterway. It was a very um, easily understandable situation that a seaplane pilot may have assumed because of this state law that all waterways were open or this waterway was open. But we ended up working with the FAA and the law enforcement officials Uh, To get a peaceful resolution with no action against the uh, pilot, the owner, operator. And this, we agreed to do a briefing in Waterflying Magazine. Uh, We updated our listings in the water uh, as the waterway being closed in the water landing directory app. And we talked about it in email blasts that we did and, and every avenue that we could to make Texas pilots and our pilots in the area aware that they could not land in Lake Woodlands. So um, that was a pretty significant little effort uh while we were getting ready for Southern fun.
1: yeah, I think that's a you know that's a, a a great great effort on your your part uh you know once again, you know just uh easy to uh explain uh in uh in in a couple of minutes, but the amount of work that goes into to that is tremendous I think that's a great resolution also.
0: Yeah, I have to say, in 2022, we had several opportunities for the FAA to step up and kind of take the high road on, on issues like this. Um, that was not the only issue of its kind uh, that happened in, in the United States where we had to deal with the FAA uh, on a similar issue. And I have to say, um, the FAA was was very cooperative and was not looking to enforce violations. Um, there were different issues that came up during the year. And for the most part, the FAA was was very supportive of the seaplane community and um, enjoyed working with us and actually gave us a lot of compliments across the course of the year.
1: And I would uh, assume, Steve, that uh, uh, the uh, WaterFlying app was updated with this information?
0: Yes, that was one of the very first things we did. Uh, which is an agenda item for 2023 because we have a volunteer uh, that has, Lyndall Baker, that has done a tremendous amount of work uh, to introduce us into our next level of technology in the, in the Water Landing Directory app. But yeah, that was, uh, again, and I think that's when it comes to the, both the invasive species world and the regulation world uh, for waterway regulation, in, even the FAA, um, the Water Landing Directory app is the only real source for pilots to go to um, other than, you know, the occasional state website that may have some information. And the fact that we provide this information to the pilots and that we talk to the FAA or the regulators and we explain to them that we do have a tool to communicate to the pilots for them to use for their flight planning processes, while we may not have had this lake listed because we didn't even know about it, uh, the fact that we can list it and advise pilots really helps uh, It encourages them, I think, to work with us for these positive resolutions.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. About the same time you were working on this, I was working on uh, uh, three uh, bodies of water in the state of Maine that were uh, uh, town water supplies uh, and uh, just updating the the flying app uh, with that information.
0: Yeah, I remember working that. So moving on to April, uh, Sun and Fun. Uh, The Seaplane Foundation had its very first trade show booth, uh, which allowed the the foundation to have a greater opportunity to increase its public exposure of its mission. Uh, The interesting part of this is while we had planned to introduce a foundation booth at AirVenture in 2022, uh, we had not planned to do it for Sun and Fun. And the booth became available while we were setting up the uh, Seaplane Pilots Association booth on very short notice, and we weren't really prepared to have a booth. So we literally uh, got very creative uh, and uh, went into motion to acquire uh, tables and to put the assets together to make a professional-looking booth. So again, thanks to all the volunteers and, and Carter and Slade for coming together and making that happen. And for Sun and Fun for extending us the, uh, the booth. So uh, after Sun and Fun, uh, we have a, a breakdown. Uh, we, we regather everything. We get a package off to Alaska uh, because first week of May, uh, we do an annual seaplane safety seminar night up in Fairbanks, Alaska. Um, 2022 was the first year that it had come back post-COVID. Uh, so uh, it was a comeback year for us to go back up. Uh, Harry and Kathy Shannon and John Pratt. Uh, Harry and John both being field direct or uh, board members, and John being a field director as well. Uh, we did uh, took the uh, Slade and Carter up to give them exposure. And again, we really enjoy doing these safety seminars with the FAA. They are wing certified. And it's at the beginning. May is the beginning of the season for Alaska for seaplane pilots. And uh, did a se- seminar up there. Uh, came back, spent some time at Alaska Floats and Skis, and then went to Palmer uh, to do the, uh, great Alaska aviation gathering, which you have been to Steve and worked. Thank you very much. And, uh, why don't you tell the uh, uh, listeners a little bit about that, that event for those who uh, haven't been there. And of course it's not in the FedEx hangar anymore.
1: Right. For, yeah. As for those who haven't been there, it's uh it's an excellent, excellent show. Uh, I remember, uh, uh, Steve asked me to go up there when his schedule got overloaded and, uh, and I was uh, a little bit concerned that, uh, you know, what could uh, running the booths, what could somebody from Maine have to tell our, our Alaska <laughs> Alaska pilot? But uh, I remember being uh, very warmly welcomed and, and it seemed that uh, uh majority of the people would say, oh, I've never been to Maine, but I imagine it's a lot like Alaska. Go, no, <laughs> it's not.
0: <laughs> the mountains are a lot smaller. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. But uh, great, great folks, uh, great, uh, great opportunity to fly uh, and uh, recommend if you haven't been there, uh, include that uh, uh, very soon in your your list of things to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you've never been up to the great Alaska Aviation Gathering uh, in Palmer, Alaska, it's always the first weekend of May. Uh, Put it on your to-do list. Um, We went back as we've been, again, going there for, I think, as long as the show has been around. I supported the Seaplane Pilots Association for for many years before being the executive director up at the show. And uh, it's moved to Palmer. It used to be in Anchorage. And I'd like to give a shout-out to Aeroset Floats, uh, who provided our housing in Palmer Um, which uh, saved us on our budget and uh, made for a very nice day as well. And, uh, you know, one of the other things we do with the Alaska Airmen's Association is we uh, do award uh, scholarships at the show and uh, also provide sponsorship and uh, do numerous safety seminars. So it's a very important show for us to address one of the largest seaplane communities in the country and uh, to be an active part of it. So uh, May is always a a month of uh, being in Alaska for us. So then moving on to June, uh, the Seaplane Foundation Uh, Finished up and released the amphibious gear safety training video that we had approved in February, filmed in March, and had been tweaking and editing and working on the testing program uh, since then. So 1st of June, uh, we released the uh, video. Um, This topic of amphibious uh, gear safety was singled out as one of the most important areas that we could try to influence a real significant reduction of seaplane incidents injuries and fatality rates and we did this through studying the accident rates uh, of seaplanes and unfortunately um, one of the areas that I think we need to do better and we need to get our members more engaged on is despite featuring this uh, safety video and testing program as a cover story in waterflying magazine Uh, stressing the importance through numerous email communications that we have done to our members that you really need to watch this video and take this test. Um, The participation has been weak, and I, I don't know why that is. We put a tremendous amount of energy in it. You know, we've communicated that amphibious gear position is one of the greatest sources of seaplane accidents, fatalities, and injuries in the seaplane community, Um, So I'd like to once again encourage all of you seaplane pilots to go to seaplanes.org under the education and safety tab, which is on the right side of the top of the page, go to online training to access the video and the test and please do yourself and the entire water flying community a favor. By watching and taking this, uh, watching this video and taking this test, I, I cannot stress the importance of it. And it, I personally think it needs to be done on an annual basis. Steve, uh, you had a lot of, obviously as chairman of the board, had a lot of input on this as well. You were on our committee uh, steering the process. Um, let's hear your take on this.
1: Well, my take on it, you know, is is uh, uh, just has to be do with. Uh, has to do with the the, the age old problem with with uh, convincing people who uh, fly uh, retractable gear airplanes uh, every day that uh, uh, they they do need a they do need specialized training in, in operating a an, am, an amphib. It's a it's a it's a different different beast different mindset even for somebody who especially for people who are uh, operating, a amphib, uh, operating a uh operating a retractable gear airplane. I think also, Steve, we, we discussed this at the uh, uh, when we were uh, designing the program. We, we need to feed this back uh, into the uh, into the Wings program. Yes, and I, I think we'll uh, get some additional uh, uh, coverage uh, uh, participation uh, from folks at that point.
0: Yeah. And so here's a carry on from the 2022 agenda to the 2023 agenda is uh, we will be making Uh, working with the FAA, I'm very confident we'll be able to get this program into the WINGS program. So you'll be actually able to go on to the FAA website and watch the video and also take the test and get WINGS credit for it. And I also think that uh, everywhere we go on the road, I'd like to show the video and have people take the test, figure out a way that we can have people take the test uh, while we're in safety seminars on the road. They can do that on their computer, their iPad, if they have it uh, in the event. And then again, we could award the Wings credit for them doing it in these in-person seminars as well. So uh, that's one of my big 2023 uh, agenda items. And I think one of the things that worries me most as the executive director of the organization and, and working these safety numbers and trying to increase the safety of the community is that the majority of seaplane ratings are accomplished on straight float airplanes, And yet the majority of people that are buying and are owner-operators of seaplanes are now uh, operating amphibious airplanes. And so there's a a real gap between the certification and training program and what people are going to be flying in reality when they do become an owner-operator. And I really would like to encourage people to spend a significant amount of time training uh, to fill that gap.
1: Yeah, I agree also so
0: yeah so uh steve the the next part of june uh right after we released the the safety video uh we had an advocacy issue pop up in your neck of the woods up in new hampshire yeah
1: 19 mile bay up on uh, lake Winnipesaukee. it actually had reared its uh head uh, uh in the fall of uh 2021 uh in brief what that was was a uh a commercial operator requested using a uh, a public uh, pier to go in and pick up passengers, uh, not not operate a, a scenic business off of it, but just to be able to utilize it uh, in his operations. Uh, there was a he asked the town uh, anyway, made its way to a public hearing, um, and uh, it just did not receive what it was not welcomed by the uh by the uh the local community who uh, wanted to issue a ban on seaplane uh, uh seaplanes operating on that body of water um and uh TR Woods who uh was the uh, operator and uh I believe it's uh Epica Seaplane uh, Adventures uh he did some uh, really good work uh, preliminary work and uh and then the s b a uh uh made showed up made a made a presence uh and Steve, why don't you talk a little bit about the hearing maybe
0: yeah, yeah, so I think the big thing to the hearing is the work up of the research uh to get ready for the hearing so t r wood uh started working with us we had uh uh what biweekly or weekly uh telephone calls where we had a team of about five people uh, working together on preparing for the hearing and we did a tremendous amount of research uh, what's important to realize is lake Winnipesaukee is the largest lake in new hampshire uh, so it's very important to uh, not start a cascading effect of loss of access on the lake uh, that may have occurred if we lost 19 mile bay and then also it had a hundred year plus history of not only uh, recreational seaplane use, but very significant commercial seaplane use, including uh, the one of the very first airmail routes that literally uh, delivered uh, to one of the largest uh, uh, organizations that was uh, opposed uh, to the seaplane access. That, that was uh, trying to get the ban instilled, and yet their property was l- literally one of the very first airmail locations in the United States, and it was serviced by a seaplane. So while uh, we went into a large amount of preparation on research, We reached out to the Loon uh, uh, nonprofit there on the lake, got engaged with them, talked to the biologist within the Loon organization, and then uh, actually took my uh, Super Cub fluid up for the hearing. And uh, I thought we were were very confident going into the hearing. And then I I think we were a little surprised by our uh, reception. What was that like, Steve?
1: Well, it wasn't a friendly crowd uh but uh maybe it was more <laughs> of a shock for you steve but that's sort of uh used to uh folks from uh new england and uh when they oppose something they come out in uh, they come out in force um but uh you know the uh the moderator of the meeting he did a did an excellent job of of of, of keeping uh keep, keeping people uh under under control and um uh, you know, it's, it's hard to sit there and, 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 and list, listen to, uh, uh, you know, half, half truths and, uh, and speculation, uh, and, uh, Fear based on uh,
0: assumptions uh, and, and miss complete misinformation.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, uh, but anyway, we, we made it through the hearing and, uh, Steve's, uh, uh, presentation went on to, uh, be reviewed by the, uh, uh, by the, uh, the state of New, New Hampshire and uh, came out with a uh, uh, came out with a, uh, in favor of uh, of no restrictions on uh, seaplanes.
0: Yeah, we had a uh, judgment. It happened a couple months later, uh, but ultimately we were victorious. And uh, again, I'd like to thank uh, the state of New Hampshire uh, because they took the time. They really listened to the facts versus the emotion. Um, It would have been very easy to be persuaded by the emotion of the moment and of the size of the crowd uh, to make a a decision just based on the the, the public outcry. Uh, But uh, to the state of New Hampshire's credit, they really looked at the data and the facts and the safety information that we provided. As well as the environmental impact uh, information that we provided and everything else, and they they took that into consideration and and that was very clear in the uh, in their ruling. so uh, thank you to uh, everyone at uh, the state of New Hampshire uh, that actually uh, looked at the data uh, and and used that as guidance for the decision. Uh, also in June, we had a huge congratulations uh, for our longtime field director, Ray Hawkins who earned his seaplane rating uh, in the state of Colorado. And um, this is the first seaplane rating that in at least several decades that has been earned in Colorado. Uh, It's been a state that I've been working for over 10 years with the Seaplane Pilots Association to open more waterways. And Ray was really a driving force for our advocacy efforts in Colorado. Uh, as an FAA employee, he personally funded a lot of our efforts uh, in Colorado as well. He, he's just a force to contend with. And uh, um, we do have two lakes open, but we're far from where we want to be in Colorado. And I'd like to thank uh, also uh, Carl Matson for providing the lake amphibian uh, that was used for Ray Hawkins seaplane rating and uh, Steve Robinson, who flew from Oklahoma uh, to do the check ride uh, for Ray. So uh, this was on Ray's uh, dream list that uh, not only opening water in Colorado but to achieve uh, his seaplane rating as kind of the uh, uh, result of all of his work uh, within the state and he did it. Uh, Ray, congratulations and uh, uh, thank you again to Carl Matson and Steve Robinson for helping make it happen. So uh, July 3rd is uh, literally uh, Monday, July 3rd. Uh, Slade and I departed uh, for Lake Winnipesaukee up in the Super Cub. Uh, So starting out our July, very busy July. uh, We had quite a bit of preparation to do on the airplane to get it, uh, uh, finish 100 hour and get it up there. And then uh, again, uh, Steve, you as chairman of the board, Uh, And our main field uh, director team leader came down and we worked that meeting, uh, made it through. And then uh, after the meeting, I came up and you met me in Brunswick, Maine, where we dropped off the Super Cub. We went and spent an afternoon with uh, Paul over at uh, Claymar Floats, which uh, was the first float manufacturer Slade had got to visit. And uh, we got to look at a lot of the new things that they're developing on their float system. They're doing a lot of innovation with carbon fiber and some, uh, we'll just say, some new rudder technologies, uh, some lightweight uh, forks uh, for their landing gear. And um, we had a great day. Uh, it's always good to go visit the manufacturers. And, of course, Brunswick is a is a very interesting airport to visit.
1: Yeah, being a... Uh... Uh, a, uh uh an ex uh navy station you know that has its roots back uh during world war 2 and uh the and the last uh uh, uh some of the last uh, p3 squadrons operated out of there
0: yeah yeah and uh it was uh funny to put the airplane into a p3 hangar and and also to see several seaplanes and also, and a whole bunch of ga airplanes that had uh, kind of found uh safe harbor uh, while the runway, I think, was repaved uh, over at uh, Wisconsin. Right. Correct. So uh, literally after going to Claymar, uh, you took us to the airport. We got on a flight uh, and flew back immediately to uh, Winter Haven to start packing the trailer for de- a very uh, close uh, departure thereafter uh, for Air Venture. And Air venture is literally a massive undertaking for the Seaplane Pilots Association. We've expanded our presence every year. Um, the 2022 presence at AirVenture was the largest in our 50 year history. Um, and uh, it was a monumental expansion. Uh, we expanded the entire booth, became 45 feet long, which included a dedicated booth for the Seaplane Foundation and uh, we had our first uh, corn roast again post COVID. Uh, we had missed several years uh, because of the COVID restrictions, and uh, 2022 was our first return to this uh, huge event that we do. If you haven't been to, you need to go to Steve. You, I have to thank as well because now for many years you've been coming supporting the Seaplane Pilots Association at Air Venture. Uh, you've been one of our most valued team members um, uh, working with us and you definitely got to work out this year. Why don't you talk about from your perspective, uh, how much effort goes into this and, and what our team is like and, and what, the, what are the demands on the team?
1: Well, it, it's, you know, it's just an immense, immense demands. Of course it starts in, uh, it it starts in Florida with the, uh, uh, with the, uh, the loading up of, uh, of the uh, trailer and, 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 the truck and, uh, really all a, a almost a nonstop drive up to uh up to uh to Wisconsin uh where it's uh where you then begin setting up. Uh, and uh the house has been rented. Uh there I don't know, upwards of ten people uh, staying in the house.
0: <laughs> every and, corner uh, we can put every, someone
1: <laughs> every yeah. And we're not only running the, the, the booth in the main show, but we're also running a, uh, uh, a large, uh, tent, uh, and, uh, which has to be staffed down at the, down at the seaplane base. And all these have to be opened up and closed up every day. Um, uh, and you're also doing, a uh, podcasts. Uh, I can't remember if you did one this year, but I know in past right, years we did she, several. Uh, got them yeah. during the events, uh, uh, Steve's running off doing uh, uh, doing uh, uh, seminars. Uh, doing uh, multiple people are doing uh, demonstrations of the uh, some of the uh, uh, live vests that, that we have, um, and it's uh, it go and then it, of course it gets, it, you know, it, it reaches uh, uh, the 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 highlight of the event, which is the corn roast, which is uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of seven hundred and fifty people getting set set down for dinner. Keep in mind, this was slate. Uh, excuse me, Carter was in charge of this. He had never been to uh, he had never been to uh, Oshkosh before, and of course, he had never run an event of this proportion. He did an excellent job, <laughs> as well as all the other volunteers.
0: They did, and uh, the the look on Carter's eyes will be one I won't forget uh, anytime soon because he had it was like you know approaching the deer in the headlights. Uh, he was. Uh, he, I don't think he could fathom. Uh, I warned him how how many people and how crazy the corn roast is, and uh, I think as the the you know the, the tidal wave of people comes in the front and fills up the the space in the tent, uh, you get a, a it was a, a big eye opener
1: <laughs> for him. Good,
0: so so uh, yeah, and so it's a major. I mean, so we spent three days, uh, two and a half. Uh, close to three days driving up there. Uh, Tom Hickson, uh, again, one of our Illinois field directors, uh, put us up overnight in his house, which was really nice on the way up, Uh, gave us a a good night's rest before we landed on site. And uh, this year's setup, on top of having this 45-foot booth at the main show, having a 10-by-30 hangar, or I mean a tent at the seaplane base, uh, we also had a huge storm come through on Saturday, uh, with hurricane force winds that knocked our power out at the house we were without power at the house for over a day and a half i don't think we got it back till sunday night and the show started monday morning and so uh, thankfully we do travel with the generator uh and we were alternating between the refrigerators uh the lights in the house and the, the pumps in the uh, basement to keep the basement from flooding uh on our generator so uh uh, a lot going on there. And then, uh, Steve, you've now for several years experienced the setup for the corn roast because that literally starts uh, Monday or Tuesday on the property, prepping that up. And then, of course, it all has to come back down and we have to leave the property, uh, you know, uh, as clean as it was when we got there. Uh, it's a private property. So uh, uh, thank you to everyone that, that tends the corn roast, all the sponsors and donors that donated things for us to raffle off. And again, if you have not attended the Seaplane Pilots Association Corn Roast on Thursday night of AirVenture, please get your tickets early. Uh, This year it's sold out by Monday of the show. And uh, there is a hard cap on the number of people we can have at the event. And um, we always have to turn away several hundred people, which we don't enjoy doing. Uh, It's very difficult, but uh, we do have a hard cap on the property of how many people we can have. uh have on the property and um i'd encourage you to to come experience it with us so moving on it to
1: for, yeah uh, go one ahead one more thing just to, just and just to point out you know and i didn't really realize this till i became uh, became chairman but there's a, a responsibility to uh to show up at uh evenings at uh other other uh <laughs> events. social events that are happening at austral uh, right when you think that uh Right when you think your day is is over at five o'clock, you learn that uh, oh, by the way, you're gonna go uh, with Steve to uh, uh, dinner at, uh, at such and such a sponsor's uh, tent. So uh, it, it it's a uh, uh, it, it's it, it's quite the effort.
0: It's it's a much different experience than going there as an attendee. And I have to say, I've actually never attended Bear uh, Venture as an attendee. Uh, that'll be an interesting experience one day because there are. You get up early in the morning, you get to the show, you get the show going, you work all day at the show, you're running, um, you know, making sure the booth is running, doing the safety seminars, doing the press appearances, and then at night you're going to the obligations uh, that you have during the evening, the social obligations, and then you have to come back to the house, reset, uh, cook for everyone, make sure everyone is fed and nourished um, reset all the money bags for the next day, uh, restock the inventory, get everything you need to do. And uh, so it ends up being a a solid 18 hour day marathon uh, for at least two weeks uh, uh, for the event. So uh, thankfully in August, uh, it's kind of a month of recovery. We, we drive back first week of August uh, from AirVenture, get the show package back, unpack the trailer, kind of reset everything get a little bit of recovery from this marathon effort and then uh, get some office time to catch up on things that have been uh, waiting for us to return back to the office. But uh, that August reprieve does not last very long. And, uh, you know, coming off of Lake Winnipesaukee and then AirVenture back to back, we were pretty much out of the office the entire month of July and um, then it all starts again in September, which uh, as I look back, September was always one of the, it the, was the month that everything started winding down and kind of the Greenville International seaplane fly-in was really the, the end of the year event. And now September has become one of the busiest, if not by far the busiest month for seaplane events um, and those events are now extending all the way well into November. So, uh, Steve, you're, you've joined the board again, one of your many hats, uh, you've joined the board of the, uh, Greenville flying, uh, uh, event, uh, talk about, uh, Greenville because this is again, a very historic event and the largest seaplane event in the world, uh, in this small town up in Northern Maine.
1: Yeah, this uh, this takes place in, uh, oh, about uh, halfway up the state, uh, pretty much at the, uh, the, the pretty much the end of the road, and uh, it's been going on almost fifty years uh, now. Uh, another uh, another item that uh, David Quam had his uh, hands uh, hands into, um, but uh, uh, setting's beautiful, small little uh, uh, small little town of Greenville, Maine. Uh, mountains, uh, around it and the largest lake in, in Maine. This year we had, um, uh, we had calm winds and, uh, pretty much flat seas, uh, just perfect, uh, perfect weather, uh, that led for, it's a, about a four day event. I believe it was Friday lunch had a, uh, showed, uh, about 40 to 50 airplanes up on, uh, Place called Lobster Lake, uh, about uh, 20 miles to the to the north of Greenville. Uh, it was a, we run a poker run during that period of time, uh, having people uh, fly anywhere from uh, you know 75 to 125 miles, to, depending on how many stops you want to make, and uh, good participation in that. And uh, those stops would be the sporting camps, uh, remote beaches, a uh, little bit, a uh, little bit, not quite a treasure hunt, but uh, having to work a little bit to find the places. But uh, back on the uh, back on the the, the main day, uh, Saturday, we uh, have a uh, uh, we have uh, a pilot uh, pilot contest, um, and this event is also drawing to the town of Greenville, uh, somewhere in in the neighborhood of 5,000 people. Uh, We've recognized recently that the need to communicate with uh, these non-aviation folks, what the, uh, what uh, consists of the town, of what the, uh, you know, what exactly is a float plane? Who are these people flying it? And we've introduced uh, better communications, uh, uh, better uh, sound systems, speakers, uh, uh, sort of meet and greet the pilots down the, down on the water between events, um, and it's uh, becoming uh, quite successful. We have uh, Jake uh, McKinney who's uh, uh, alternating between the uh, air boss over the uh, over the uh, program and uh, talking about uh, the the once again the pilots the uh, uh, the pilots the the air, aircraft. And he's just an a, a encyclopedia of information on, uh, on, uh, on float planes. And uh, it all caps uh, Sunday morning uh, uh, for the past years on the uh, old steamship uh, Katahdin, where uh, the SBA uh, hosts a breakfast. And uh, I believe that is uh, Steve, I'll let you speak about the sponsor.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, first, uh, Lobster Lake, uh, and the, uh, Poker Run. Uh, what a great way to see Maine. Uh, if you go to, uh, the Greenville International Seaplane Fly-In, number one, try to get a ride with one of the pilots. Uh, this was the first year I've actually had the great pleasure of flying my airplane in the Poker Run, and Lobster Lake was, uh, uh, you know, that that was almost, I want to say, like a once in a lifetime event uh, to have so many airplanes on this white sandy beach uh, in this gorgeous setting in the middle of nowhere uh, to have over 40 airplanes wing to wing tip. Uh, it was just uh, epic. I mean, everyone who went uh, was blown away. And we'll try to put some pictures on Uh, On our website, from it, we'll try to dedicate a a page to the or a a section to the uh, fly in. But also, uh, yeah, we want to give a shout out to AeroSet. Uh, We do our member appreciation breakfast. Um, It was on the Katahdin once again in 2022, and AeroSet sponsors that. you know they are one of the the major sponsors for our events and of course we do have other sponsors. I also need to thank uh Tanya and John Willard uh out at the Birches uh for many years now they've actually paid for their or or hosted us for no charge uh for the association at the event and uh, then also this year uh A shout out uh, to PK, uh, to Keith for uh, helping me out with, uh, uh, I had a little bit of an aircraft repair that needed to be done on my starter solenoid and uh, blasted over to uh, PK and and he gave me a a used solenoid and put it on and and got me on the way uh, in a time of need. So uh, shout out to PK for their help and and Keith uh, for helping me with that. So uh, great event, great event.
1: Yep, and likewise, I'd like to uh, thank uh, uh, Gary Norris, who is, uh, who heads oh, up yeah. our uh, committees and in seaplane uh, organization. Uh, you know, through his uh, 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 through his hard work, as well as a, a whole host of, of, of volunteers that step up um, uh, for uh, uh, and get ready for this event, it's it's really become a real premium premium event that encourage everybody to, to make it up and see it.
0: Yes. Uh, Gary Norris, uh, big shout out to you for leadership, uh, taking over the event and uh, uh, great, great job running the event. So uh, also we'd like to mention uh, the Indiana Seaplane Pilots Association, which is run by the Seaplane Pilots Association field director, Randy Strebig for Indiana uh, hosted its 20th uh, anniversary splash in at uh, Pogan State Park, on lake james now this is a splash in that every year i try to make i find it uh again very important for me to actually fly an airplane into these events and participate in them uh this is one that has eluded me uh for a long time now i have not made it to this event but really uh randy Strebig, has been not only a phenomenal field director and volunteer and force for the the force multiplier for the association, uh, but he deserves a tremendous amount of credit for celebrating this 20th anniversary uh, splash in on Lake James. And uh, he just does a spectacular job. And um, I I hope in 2023 I'll actually get to uh, make the event. It's actually in conflict with, again, we said that Greenville used to be kind of the wind down period, but now there's also the Minnesota Seaplane Pilots Association Safety Seminar, which is hosted traditionally at Madden's Resort in Brainerd. Uh, We actually took the Super Cub from uh, Greenville in Maine, flew it over to Brainerd uh, for this event, which is a short 1400 mile jaunt. Um, And then I went from there uh, up to a four-day invasive species conference in Anchorage, Alaska. And I attended this with SPA board member and also Alaska Field Director John Pratt, uh, who has been very, very engaged in the AIS activities and has attended, I think, all of them with me in Alaska, Uh, significantly SPA has become not only a regular attendee at these conferences, uh, which are hosted uh, and filled with regulators and waterway managers and researchers, uh, but now we're actively consulting, training, and participating at these events. And that is a dramatic change from where we were uh, at the beginning of this journey 10 years ago. And um, this year, uh, myself, uh, uh, representing the Seaplane Pilots Association, joined the Outreach and Communications Subcommittee, uh, of course, spoke at the conference, and even took several of these attendees uh, that are regulators and waterway managers for their first seaplane flight with Rust Flying Service. And we went out and did a, a glacier flight. So um, this stuff is really important because one of the greatest challenges – or one of the greatest issues uh, that could affect the closing of water in the United States for the seaplane, associate, or for the seaplane community is invasive species and, and the threat of spread and the prevention of spread of invasive species. So this is one of the very top topics. It's up there right with safety as far as where we spend our energy. So um, again, uh, went straight from Greenville to uh, Brainerd, Minnesota, up to Alaska, for invasive species. And uh, that was a very intense uh, period of time. And um, then along the way, we did lose an, uh, our latest uh, effort uh, to open Lake Lanier in Georgia. So uh, amongst everything we have been getting done successfully, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers did deny our request to open uh, Lake Lanier to seaplane access, I have to tell you, SPA Field Director Troy Wheeler has invested over a decade uh, of time, uh, energy, passion, and financial resources to get this waterway open. We've done everything we can to support him. Um, I, you know, I'm quite honestly very, very disappointed that the Army Corps of Engineers decided not to open the lake they really did not give us a solid reason other than they just didn't want to do it. And we are far from letting this go. Um, Georgia is surrounded by seaplane friendly states, and it is a black hole uh, in the middle of uh, Georgia, or in, you know, you have Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, all which uh, have great seaplane access. And then Georgia, which has very limited, only about six lakes in the state. And Lake Lanier has been one of those ones that we feel is very important to open. And once again, we did lose our uh, ongoing effort there, but uh, we're, we're not walking away from this. So uh, coming back from Alaska, uh, we were hit by a little hurricane called Ian. Uh, the storm's eye went right over uh, Waterflying Magazine's editor, editor uh, Mark Twombly's house um, and the recovery of this island community will likely take years. Uh, the island was destroyed, uh, Sanibel Island, and uh, many of you saw the the images of this on the news. Uh, took out the literally took out the bridge, the only bridge that goes to the island. And here we are in December. The storm hit on September 28th. Uh, still, if you're not a resident or a relief worker, you cannot get access to the island. And uh, probably 80% of all the structures on the island uh, are complete teardown. So uh, the devastation is unbelievable. That did it impact us here at S.P.A. in Winter Haven, Florida, because we had uh, the storm went right around us, but equal distance from us. We experienced hurricane winds for a very extended period of time. We had to tear down the office, bag up all the electronics uh, tub up all the paperwork that we could to preserve it in case a roof, God forbid, was uh, uh, compromised. And uh, then we were without power uh, for four to five days. Uh, and we're still doing cleanup uh, in the local area here. So uh, big impact uh, getting hit by a hurricane uh, at the end of September. And that impacted our October annual member meeting, which was scheduled for October 7th, with our hurricane hitting on September 28th. Uh, It was just too close a proximity, and uh, uh, to our great displeasure, uh, we did have to cancel the member meeting. We did set uh, a secondary date for November to try to do a redo, Uh, but once again, we were impacted by a storm. This annual member meeting is very important for us to conduct. Uh, We find it a great way to communicate uh, like we are right now, what's going on with the organization, and also we have some uh some business that we have to attend to and I think you were scheduled to come down for that Steve.
1: yeah well i scheduled for both meetings to come to come down and uh, uh, and it's always hard to to cancel these first of all you've got to realize that these uh, both these meetings were happening uh, in a out, outdoor pavilion at uh, Treveras and uh, hosting them in High winds, hosting them in heavy rainfall—it's just not—it's just not possible. So it's hard. It's—it's it's important, as as Steve said. It, it, there are many reasons why it's important to to have these uh, for, for governance, uh, meet the membership, to listen to the membership, um, and it uh, uh, and we're uh, we're we're glad that as we can look back through what. Uh, that the traveling that uh, uh, that uh, the employees of the uh, SBA have have done, you can you can see how much uh, public uh, uh, interaction that they do have. Fortunately,
0: yeah, and again, we always try to make these member meetings uh, not only informative but uh, entertaining and enjoyable. And again, for that reason, we had it in an outdoor pavilion scheduled. Uh, we had a cookout scheduled, and uh, we generally have some live music. And again, it, it's kind of a not only informative and business uh, oriented, but also we we want to make our all of our interactions as enjoyable as possible with the members. So we had rescheduled uh, the meeting, the annual member meeting for November 11th, and on November 10th, uh, we were impacted by Hurricane Nicole. <laughs> So uh, this caused a second cancellation of the member meeting. Um, on the 10th, when the landfall occurred of Nicole, which was much weaker than Ian, and the impact from us was much less, but we still had to go through the same preparation of bagging everything up, uh, tubbing everything up, and, and preparing the office for an impact. You know, you start bringing generators and water and food to the house and, you know, the employees, you have to make sure that they're set up to... Uh, weather the storm the eye actually went directly over winter haven airport here uh, over our house and and over the spa headquarters and again we were still recovering we still are recovering uh, from hurricane ian and uh six weeks after ian uh we have another hurricane come over and uh pretty notably nicole was only the second uh or was the second latest hurricane on record And one of only four hurricanes to make landfall uh, in the United States in the month of November. So this was a very late hurricane event for us here in Florida. And then uh, there shortly after, uh, Peter and I departed uh, to go up to Whip Air uh, to uh, pick up my Super Cub and and get it home before winter set in. And I have to tell you, uh, while we were stuck up there for four or five days waiting on the snow to stop, uh, the staff at Whip Air uh, was incredibly gracious, uh, and we took every opportunity we could to go spend time with their maintenance staff and their operations staff to learn from them. Uh, we held several meetings regarding uh, Whip Air's support of the Seaplane Pilots Association and, and also recorded numerous podcasts. Some have aired, some have not yet uh, to this point. And I got home, went through Thanksgiving, and then right into December, uh, where we hand-signed all the staff members in the office here, including Peter Christie, um, uh, signed over 800 Christmas cards for our lifetime members, our donors, our volunteers, our field directors, uh, and all of those that helped us work on issues throughout the year that we uh, not only wanted to give uh, Merry Christmas to, but we wanted to give special thanks to. And uh, then December generally rolls into a planning month uh, where we're planning our 2023 agenda and our schedule uh, and also getting ready for our annual board meeting, which will be a month earlier in 2023. It'll happen in January and it will be hosted by Southern Seaplane. I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah,
1: likewise likewise Steve, that uh, trying something a little different with board meetings this year, uh, uh, going to another uh, uh, going to another location. And Southern Sea Plains has always been extremely generous to uh, uh, to the SBA uh, uh, certainly during my uh, uh, board uh, term.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, just like it was very important for us to have our board members trained as AIS certified uh, invasive species inspectors uh, while we're at the board meeting at Southern Sea Plains, we're also going to take the board and do dunk tank training. And this is part of that board education that gives the board the experience to help guide the community and also uh, lead the community by example. And so if you've never accomplished a a dunk tank training, um, it's a great safety uh, enhancement activity to uh, bring your safety levels to the next level. And uh, it was important, again, uh, to uh, have our board participate in the same training that we're trying to encourage our members to. So uh, uh, everything we do, uh is geared around you know leading by example and uh we have an increasing focus in alaska as always uh in 2023 i'm proud to announce that uh in december we became a gold sponsor for the 2023 great alaska aviation gathering and we're continuing to partner with the alaska airmen's association on trying to create more impact uh for our seaplane pilots in alaska and with that, we're over an hour, and this is such an amazingly condensed review of what a year looks like or what 2022 looked like. It doesn't ha- there's so much more that we're doing, but Steve and I really felt it important to share with the members and the community a little insight into what goes on and, and how kind of jam-packed the schedule is for the association in a year and, and what we achieved in 2022.
1: Oh, that's, uh, that, that's yeah, absolutely, uh, accurate on that, Steve, you know, as we get, uh, get to closing, I just want to point out that we, for more information on, on some of these, uh, events, uh, some of these, uh, uh challenges that we have, you can go and listen to some of the past podcasts. You can go into past issues of the, uh, Waterfly magazine and, uh, and, and find some additional information. And I just also wanna uh, thank, especially the, the staff of the, of the SPA who just worked tremendously throughout the year. And, and, uh, uh, and those consisting not only of, of, of Steve, but Slade, Carter, uh, Peter, And uh, Mary Mary McCauhey, who's uh, holding down the office and obviously holding down a house when Steve's on the road.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, Steve. Uh, You know, uh, but it all comes down to thanking everyone. And it's much more than the staff. Uh, We we greatly appreciate, you know, that recognition because it is a lot of work. And and I always want more than anything, the staff to get that thanks uh, for their efforts. But also what's really important is that we thank all of our passionate members, uh, the volunteers that put their passion into action, uh, the board members who dedicate uh, time out of their very busy lives. The board members we have right now are pretty much all at the apex of their careers and they take a lot of time out to help the community and help the association through serving on the board. Uh, Our lifetime members and our donors, Uh, All of you are the real horsepower of this organization. Um, You are the force multipliers. And a staff of four people cannot achieve uh, the same amount of activity and impact on the community as volunteers and members and donors and all the people that get engaged uh, with the association. So uh, thank you uh, for all of your work. And if you're not a member of the Seaplane Pilots Association, please consider joining uh, as the more members we represent, uh, the more positive effect we can have and create on the seaplane community. And that's why we're all here. We all love, deeply, deeply love flying seaplanes and we want to promote and protect it as much as possible, which is why we exist. So uh Thank you. Uh, Steve, what have we missed? Uh, and is there anything we should talk about going into 2023 as we close out?
1: No, I think that's a, a great review of, of 2022. And uh, and just roll up our shirt sleeves and start all over again.
0: <laughs> it's racing. 2023 is racing towards us. I am deeply looking forward to it. There's a lot of unfinished business. I look forward to uh, chomping my teeth into and getting the staff into and getting the volunteers into Again, uh, thank you to all the members, all the donors, volunteers, lifetime members, uh, the board members for all you uh, give to the organization and the community. Steve, it's a pleasure uh, having you on the podcast. It's a pleasure, a uh, deep, deep pleasure and honor to work with you. And uh, on behalf of the organization, I'd like to thank you uh, for your chairmanship and and the leadership you're providing.
1: Well, you're welcome, Steve. And uh, uh Everybody have a good
0: day. Okay. Happy uh, uh, New Year. And we'll see you in 2023. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Waterfine, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community, and it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events, not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting waterflying.